All right. Thank you, Caitlin, for being our reader. And uh, now let's talk about Easter's dress rehearsal, the resurrection of Lazarus. Uh, I think we just have to say right off the bat, um, this is a dangerous story. It's uh, dangerous for Jesus and dangerous for us. Uh, in the Gospel of John, which is where we've been for these last four weeks, Jesus does seven signs, seven miracles. And so this resurrection of Lazarus, this is the seventh and the final sign. Uh, and this is what makes the religious leaders finally decide that they need to kill Jesus. He's drawing too much attention to them. And if they don't do something, the occupying Romans are going to come in and destroy all of them in the temple. So they say better for one man to die to save many. And so this story leads us right into Palm Sunday and Holy Week. But this is also a dangerous story for us because... How many of us have had someone die who we would desperately love to have back? And, and that makes this story hard to hear. Just because something's hard doesn't mean it should be avoided necessarily, though. So uh, maybe we can kind of get at it sideways. So let's talk about a couple things that are not dangerous at all, although possibly annoying. We're going to talk about palette expanders, traffic, and hydrophones. All right. So I don't know how many of you have had braces. There's lots of different kinds of braces in orthodontia. Um, but if you've had a palate expander, this is a device um, that is placed into the roof of your mouth and it's used to widen your jaw. It gradually pushes your jaw bones apart to make room for crowded or crooked or overlapping teeth. The older you are when you get it, the longer you have to wear it. And there's one kind that has a screw in it that you can turn a little bit more each day with a key. So it is, it's not comfortable, it's kind of painful, but it is effective and it does expand your jaw. All right, traffic. Who among you has been stuck in traffic on Highway 4145 lately? The like north of the zoo interchange in Milwaukee, that stretch that goes past all the hospitals. So this is a 1.7 mile stretch um, and the DOT is in the middle of a long project to expand it to eight lanes but in the meantime while they work on it they've shifted all the traffic to the southbound lanes so they can work on the northbound lanes then vice versa so temporarily and by temporary i mean for months and months it's reduced to two lanes each way they even closed the entire interstate for part of january to demolish the union pacific railroad bridge but eventually there will be new bridges there will be more lanes um, and the road will be wider with more capacity going in both directions so uh, expected completion in fall of 2023 all right, the last one. Has anyone heard of a hydrophone? This is a device that picks up acoustic energy underwater. In other words, it picks up sounds, um, including, um, for our purposes, including sounds that are either too low or too high for us to hear with our human ear. Um, so its first big application was in World War I. It was invaluable in locating German U-boats. But it was first developed just before that in 1912. What happened in 1912 that would prompt us to work on underwater location technology? Maybe you guess it. It's the sinking of the Titanic. So it was developed to locate underwater icebergs, then used to locate submarines. But as hydrophones got more and more advanced and they were able to pick up wider ranges of both ultrasonic and infrasonic sound, so ultrasonic too high for humans to hear, infrasonic too low for us to hear. Um, so this, this technology that started out as war technology, um, it ended up finding a completely new use. Uh, and through hydrophones, we discovered whale song. 
So it turns out that actually all kinds of animals that we thought were, were silent, they've been communicating with each other all along with sounds either too low or too high for us to hear. And so with the help of hydrophones, marine biologists learned that whales can communicate, they can communicate over hundreds of miles and they have a whole range of sounds, clicks, grunts, snorts, moans, and, and actual notes. And when you study their sounds, um, it's clearly not just calls, but also songs. They have repeated phrases like a chorus, and then they have parts like verses that vary over time. And whales use these songs to communicate with each other, to mark their territory, to locate prey using echolocation, um, sometimes just for fun and, and to find a mate. And hydrophones, they capture the sound waves of all of this, and then they use programs to speed them up many, many times so that our human ear actually can perceive them, and then we can study the pattern. So it essentially expands the range of what we can hear. Who knew, right? Like all this time, whales have been out there singing love songs to each other across the miles, and we just, we just couldn't hear it. So our gospel for today, the dress rehearsal for Easter, um, this story of the resurrection of Lazarus, it's kind of like our entire Christian faith in miniature, like the Cliff Notes version of Easter, which means whew, there's a lot in there, you guys. Um, but it also means that this passage is a good chance to reflect on our faith as a whole. And at its core, this is the story of our faith, right? Right? It's about death and resurrection. It's this idea that God turns endings into beginnings, and when we talk about death and new life, sometimes we mean metaphorical death and new life. Sometimes we mean literal death and new life. Um, sometimes we're talking about what happens at the end of this life, what comes next. Sometimes we're talking about right now around us in this life. Whatever, whatever the context is, the core promise of our faith is death and resurrection. Metaphorical or literal, ours or someone else's in the age to come right now, death is never the end. It always gives birth to something new. Now that's that's a bold promise and if we believe in it it makes a lot of things possible. Um, but to me one of the biggest is this. The most powerful thing about our faith and and about this particular story of death and resurrection is the way that it expands us and it gives us this tool for holding both the pain and the beauty of life without letting either one diminish the other. Because that's our tendency, right? Like we can focus so much on the hope and the beauty that we gloss over or shut our eyes to the things that hurt and, and are wrong and need to be changed. Or conversely, we can focus so much on the hurt and the wrong and what needs to be changed that we lose sight of the hope and the beauty and we kind of spiral down into despair. So resurrection is the story that expands us to be able to hold them both. The full story in John is a long one. Um, definitely read the whole thing when you can. It's verse 1 through 54. But in shortening it for um, reading in this service, there's one big part we cut out. And I wonder if any of you are familiar with it. It's, it's what happens between verse 27 and 39. It's mostly famous because it contains the verse that all confirmation students want to choose to memorize if they have to memorize one verse because it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Um, and it's the verse, Jesus wept. But think about the power of that for a moment. Uh, Lazarus has died. Mary comes out to Jesus. She's weeping. 
over the death of her brother, and Jesus takes one look at her, and what does he do? He begins to weep with her. Now, this is, this is the gospel of John we're talking about, right? This is the gospel that goes to greater lengths than any other gospel to emphasize Jesus' divinity. Like in John, he's portrayed as being all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He's the fullness of God in human form. So to say that Jesus wept is to say God weeps. And remember, like Jesus knows what's going to happen, right? He tells his disciples at the beginning, this will not be fatal. I will awaken him. He knows Lazarus will be resurrected and he still weeps with her. See how he loved them, the crowds say. It's it's grief uh, and it's love. And they're kind of two sides of the same coin. Colin Campbell wrote a book about grief after his family was T-boned by a drunk driver. He and his wife survived, but their two teenage children in the backseat did not. And he writes this book about what it was like talking with people after his kids had died. And that like really well-meaning friends would kind of try and tiptoe around what had happened because they didn't want to trigger them or set them off crying again. But but that never felt quite right to them. And he compares it to like, if you're talking to someone who has just been impaled by a spear, it would be weird while you're talking to them not to mention the spear sticking through them, right? Um, so so they, they appreciated people who could talk about it and and they appreciated crying when it happened. It was kind of a relief. And, and the pain of their grief, this was how they knew they were still alive, he says. And it's how they could keep their children's memories alive. And it, it was their proof of how well-loved their kids had been, which meant everything. So it turns out that, uh, sadly, our ability to perceive joy and our ability to perceive pain, they're like, they cannot be separated. To shut down one is to shut down the other, and to expand one is to expand the other. Now, one of the other famous Gospel of John stories is the one we had a few weeks ago about Nicodemus. And he comes to Jesus at night, and Jesus talks to him about being born again. It's where that famous John 3.16 verse comes from, um, that whoever believes will have eternal life. And, and that phrase, Christian Bible scholars, translators, they have fought for years over how to correctly translate that phrase. Because the Greek word is ambiguous. Should it be translated eternal life, or should it be translated abundant life and both seem plausible and it's like a significant choice because if this is about eternal life that sounds like a promise about what happens when we die and if it's about abundant life that sounds like a promise about what happens to us during this life so people fought and fought over which one it should be depending on their theologies and how they understood salvation until finally a Jewish scholar came along and was like look you all are being ridiculous this is an intentional play on words. He was Jewish. Hebrew does this all the time. He uses a word with multiple meanings because we, what he was saying had multiple meanings. The life he offers is both eternal and abundant, both future and right now. Eternal life. That is our promise that death is not the end. Abundant life, though. That is a promise of salvation and resurrection right now. On our own, without our faith, we can kind of go through life with this reduced range. We just, we just live in the middle and we can't see 
the largest things or the smallest things can't hear the highest or lowest pitches. It's like it's like sitting in front of the piano and then only playing notes from the middle two octaves and just never hearing from all the other keys. It's like it's like we're a mouth without enough room for all the teeth or a highway um, with more cars than it can handle so they all get jammed up. Uh, and we live that way, we we miss out on so much. This story of Lazarus, it shows us what it looks like to be fully alive. All the grief and all the miracles that that opens us to. And, and it lets us be able to hold one in each hand without being torn apart. It expands us so we can play all the notes. We can see it all, hear it all, absorb it all, and, and still go on. Friends, God knows what it is to suffer and to grieve and to die. And our faith says, yes, death and life are both there, but life always comes last. So this new life that Jesus calls us into, it not only means we live forever, but it expands our life right now. So may God tune our ear to hear both higher and lower frequencies. And may resurrection expand our range so we can hear beyond our lives, beyond our pain, beyond what's right in front of us, to the love song of God for us. Amen. And may it all lift us up on wings like eagles. Let's sing. <laughs>